Good morning, everyone. Great to be here together. Great to be with our friends watching online and across all of our different Meeting House locations. It is a good time to be a church. And hey, it's better to do this together with some friends, too. I'm happy to be here with Quincy and Laura. We're finishing off our We Are Here series. So we've been spending time at this metaphorical base camp in between legs of our journey as a church, just taking inventory and processing where we've come from, where we sense God is leading us, what he's saying to us, and who he's calling us to be, what our identity is as a church, laying down some markers that we care about and think that he's been speaking to us about in recent months as we look to move forward together. You know, it's interesting as we think about this analogy of being on an extreme adventure together. Oftentimes, even the best extreme adventurers are smart enough to take with them an expert guide, aren't they? And we've got an expert guide too. That guide is the Holy Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit is so much more than just a guide. We're going to explore a little bit this morning about what would it mean for us to be a Holy Spirit-led church? And that doesn't mean we haven't been a Holy Spirit-led church, but we're finishing off this series of asking ourselves, what's the identity that we're carrying with us into the future? And we want to ask, what would it look like for us to embrace the Holy Spirit like never before as a church? So we're going to talk a little bit about who is the Holy Spirit? What is the role of the Holy Spirit in our individual lives, in our corporate lives as a church? What difference does it make to be a Spirit-led church together? And we acknowledge, even as we begin that conversation, that talking about the Holy Spirit is a healthy and interesting thing to do, but it's so insufficient in terms of relating with who God is. So we want to create some time, even just at the end of our message this morning, to experience and be together with the Holy Spirit as well. And as you're speaking, Matt, I feel the questions and I feel like a stirring almost of like all the red flags coming out or the, the warning bells. It's like, okay, are we about to become that kind of church that does those strange things and acts in a, in a way? And then, and then I, I sense another group of folks that are like, it's about time. Bring it on. Let the strangeness begin. And, uh, and I, I want to I say something that may give comfort to you. Uh, it may not. But that um, there is no way for us to, uh, to really control the Holy Spirit. This is, this, is, this is just the fact. Like, the Holy Spirit is God. So there's no way for us to control. However, that doesn't mean that we then are out of control. Mm -hmm. um, one of the gifts of the Spirit, as you know, love, joy, peace, kindness. And the last one is kind of the kicker. It's self-control. So, so be encouraged in that, that we can't control the Holy Spirit, but they're actually, it, uh, it, for us, the implications is that, that uh, we are not out of control. So depending on your background, um, this may be something that causes some, some stress, or it may cause excitement, maybe a little bit of both, or maybe you're just kind of indifferent. Like, I don't even know uh, what the big deal is about any of this, but I'm here for the ride and want to see what God has for us. So the, the other thing that I can say for certain, and um, we'll know that God's desire, God's deepest and largest desire for, for us is for him to be with us, for God to be with his people, and that's really, really good. God's desire is to be with his people, and that is really, really good. And we see that over and over again throughout all of Scripture, even from the beginning, like the very, very beginning. Genesis, well, okay, not the very beginning, so not Genesis 1-1, but Genesis 1-2, when there's a dark and uh, meaningless void and all is chaos, 
and the breath of God, the spirit of God just hovers over what's soon to be creation. And God's presence or God's breath is what's about to bring all chaos and all darkness into control, into beauty. And we see it even in uh, the creation of, of humankind where God creates everything out of nothing and then puts his, his stamp, his image on Adam and breathes the, his breath into his nostrils to give life. The spirit is coming again. God's desire to be with and a part of his people is there and it's good. It's always good. And fast forward, uh, we get the interaction where God now uh, reveals himself to his people in Israel. And he's at the top of Mount Sinai and there's uh, the dark clouds and the earthquake and the shaking and the, the fear and the trembling. And the people are like, no, 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 we don't want to be anywhere near this. Moses, you go on our behalf. And Moses does, but God says, okay, so if you don't want to be with me, if you don't want to come see me, God says, all right, I'm going to make an opportunity and come down to you. And the plans for the tabernacle are put in place. And later the, the plans for the more permanent temple get put in place where God's actual presence, his breath, can be with his people. And this is good. God's presence stays in this place until it doesn't. Uh, the people sin, distances create, uh, distance gets created between God and his people, but that does nothing for his desire to be with his people in a real and meaningful way. And the prophets come and selected people where the spirit just comes upon them and they give instruction and direction for what's next. And we see God's heart, this uh, this teaser, so to speak, of what's to come and that the temple will soon actually be in the hearts of God's people. That there'll, there'll no longer be uh, the need for a specific location that you need to go and experience God, but somehow, some way, God is going to see fit to be with his people always in a very intimate way where God's spirit actually becomes the, the tangible manifest presence of who God is. And then we get Jesus, who is that, in flesh and blood, comes to, to spend time and live and breathe and love his people, but only for a time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we read about it, specifically on the next piece, God's ultimate plan, in uh, John chapter 14, and Laura's going to take mm -hmm. us through that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we want to turn our attention to these words of Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking about the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so starting in verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. 
And so Jesus is making the connection for the disciples and then for us that this is the personal presence of God come to be with us. And he highlights a few things that we want to notice. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is from the Father. And right just even in these few words, we see some of the beautiful interplay of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the same God, the same character, all connected and working together, of course. And so this is something that we can trust. Sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, a kind of like nervousness might rise in us or an uncertainty, but, but this is the God that we know. This is Jesus who knows us, one and the same. We can trust the Holy Spirit. We can have confidence. We can be sure of who he is. Jesus also says that the Holy Spirit will be an advocate or other words that come into play are the comforter, the encourager, the counselor. The Holy Spirit is for us. He's on our side. He's with us and he's for us. And Jesus says he will never leave us. There's nowhere that we can go. There's no way that we can be that will cause that separation again. When we are with God, the, his presence is there. And Jesus also says in these verses that the world won't recognize the Holy Spirit, that there is a spiritual reality here to what's taking place and not everyone will understand. But the people who know God, the people who walk in the way of Jesus will also recognize and know this spirit, that it is for them, that it is with them. And so we see that this personal presence of God that we see through the story of Scripture, that we see manifested in all of these different ways, all of these different ways, has now come to be with us and in us, as close as breath for each one that says yes to who God is, and that the fullness of God's power and love. The very power that enables the resurrection to happen, that powerful presence, the fullness of God's love and abundance, that all of that is included in this personal presence of God that comes to be with each of us. So the invitation for us as we say yes to the presence of the Holy Spirit is that we also can live into um, the abundance of God, live into the fullness of his love. And that it's not just something at a distance, but now it's something that is with us and for us always. And it change, that changes everything in terms of how we experience our faith, in terms of how we experience our life. We also see in scripture, uh, in maybe another familiar passage in Galatians 5 that Quincy referenced to about the fruit of the Spirit, that this is what will happen as the Spirit is in us. This fruit will be produced. We will notice we will see the character of God being reflected through ourselves and through each other. When we're in step with the Spirit, it will look like the goodness of God. It will look like all of this fruit that shows God's heart and shows God's plan for what he has for his people. And so I just want to take a minute to talk about um, like how that maybe looks and feels in real life um, through a few examples. And, and right away, just wanting to name that anytime we start to list examples of what it can feel like or what that experience might be like in the day-to-day, -day, there's the danger that um, not everyone will relate to those examples. So I just wanna hold at the same time remembering that the spirit is not just for some. 
right? Not just for the people that have these experiences, but no, this is God's presence for all of his people collectively, but also for each one, each one of you. Um, and me. And so, but sometimes this is maybe some examples of what it might look like as we're kind of living out our day and what it feels like to be engaging with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it might feel like a prompting, like a prompting in your spirit. And maybe especially um, towards connecting with someone. Maybe you feel someone comes to mind and you feel prompted to reach out and connect. Or someone in a moment that's very meaningful reaches out and connects with you in a timing that is too meaningful to be random. And here is the Spirit of God at work in his people to bring encouragement, to bring comfort, um, to bring his presence, and he uses us to do that. As we have his presence within us, we can step into these roles of encourager, comforter, counselor with the power of God at work. Sometimes the Holy Spirit in us might feel like hesitation, It might feel like a pause or a caution or conviction to say, like, no, don't go in that way. Or just wait and stop. Don't say that thing. Don't make that choice. Don't continue in that pattern. Instead, hear the invitation of the Spirit to move back towards the way of Jesus, to move back into the fullness of what God has for us, to live into the gifts of the Spirit as God wants to pour them out on us. Sometimes it might feel like um, an equipping and empowering, and we see lots of times in scripture the repeated pattern of when the Spirit, when the Spirit's presence is upon someone, that they speak with boldness, that they speak with clarity and wisdom that is not innate to themselves. Um, and I know this to be true. <laughs> I can assure you that in some moments where um, I have had the opportunity to speak truth, I am conscious that that is not coming from myself, that it is the Spirit of God partnering with me in that moment to speak his truth, to speak his wisdom, and that we see how God partners with his people in order to give messages of grace, give messages of peace, give messages of wisdom that are coming from him. But he gives the equipping through the presence of the Spirit and through giving his own understanding. So just some examples, and maybe you relate to some of those. Maybe you can um, make connections in your own life, in your own walk to times when you have experienced the Spirit that way or seen other people living into the Spirit that way. But even if, even if you can't, I want you to hear and remember the truth that this personal presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is for each one. And that just as we are all uniquely created, but still all reflect who God is, the Spirit is able to meet us exactly where we are, with exactly who we are. And that whatever it looks like, we can always have confidence that the experience of that will be consistent with who Jesus is, that it will line up with who we know Jesus to be and who we know God to be. And it will also be consistent with the fruit of the Spirit that we know comes. And so the way that we engage with the Spirit, that we encounter it, the way that we share in the midst of the Spirit will always look like love 
It will always look like peace. It will look like gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that it will never be out of line with who God is because it is God. And so we can be sure of that. We can be confident in that. We can trust it fully um, as we say yes to it. Laura mentioned that the Holy Spirit not only engages us individually, absolutely yes and amen, and recognizes and uplifts our individuality, but he also engages with us corporately, and that's true for us as a church. It's fascinating that the moment that we often refer to as essentially the beginning of the church, we have this word Pentecost that we use for that. You can read about that in Acts chapter two. What happens at that moment? How is it marked? It's marked by the Spirit coming and being poured out on God's people. The Spirit wants to engage with us as a church and as a body collectively. So it has implications for us as a church. This is more than just a a personal theology lesson or even more than just a personal experience. It matters for us as a church. What does it mean to be Spirit-led together? And sometimes, as you referenced even earlier, Quincy, we as churches and maybe even us as the meeting house can have a little bit of tension around what does it mean to experience the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, when we were compiling our story that we've been doing over the past couple months, looking back at our history so we can understand who we've been in order to move forward together well, we identified that even as long as 30 years ago in our church history, there have been moments of tension and even rifts between leadership and those in the congregation around what it means to engage with and be a Holy Spirit-led church. That's not something we have to be afraid of, but it's part of our DNA, this tension that we want to work through and process together and ask that question of what it means for us. And there are a few things, this isn't an exhaustive list, but that we really feel it means for us in this season of our life as a church. It means that our purpose is possible. Remember, we've been talking over these past few weeks about Our destination as Jesus followers isn't just a spatial or a temporal one. It's not just one of learning more head knowledge, which is great, or even just changing our behavior, also great. But following Jesus, if we're not careful, can be reduced to just that, an exercise of learning what the steps are and then walking them out without recognizing that the whole call is to transform our hearts and our very being towards the character of Christ. We can't just do that. The Holy Spirit is what actually enables us to pursue our purpose of transformation. As Laura said, he's not just a distant God cheering us on. He is with us and within us performing the transformation of our heart as we move closer to Jesus together in unity and community. We're like unplugged Christ followers if we don't have the Holy Spirit. But when we plug into the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we're walking with him alive within us and we can actually have a hope of achieving our purpose. The Holy Spirit is also a guide for us and we're not making that up. He's referenced as a guide multiple times in scripture, including in Galatians a couple of times. He's with us on our journey. That means he's giving us direction. He's shaping our desires and our destination to align with his. It's interesting, also in the book of Acts in chapter 16, Even just in one very short period of scripture, we read about Paul and Silas being on a missionary journey, and not once, but twice, the Spirit actually stops and redirects them in a different vector. And they listened. And what happened? Well, they moved on and actually ended up planting the church at Philippi and meeting Lydia and others who had birthed that church. It has real implications for us, whether we're listening to and yielding to where the Spirit is calling us what doors the Spirit is opening, and what doors the Spirit might be closing for us. So it has very practical implications for us as a church in that sense. And it means that we're not operating on our own strength along the way. We've talked in the past few weeks about 
Following Jesus not being about mustering up our own power within, but emptying ourselves. When we empty ourselves, we make space for what? The Holy Spirit and the Spirit's power to fill us. So we don't have to and we shouldn't just be planning our way to greatness. We have to do our part to partner with God, but it's His strength operating in us that we need to remember is moving us forward. And we discern the Spirit's leading together in community. That's another one of our Anabaptist hallmarks. We listen to what the Spirit is saying to us with one another together. That community hermeneutic is a big part of who we are. And being a Holy Spirit-led church means that we are a praying church. We need to be praying corporately. We need to be praying in our small groups of disciples walking together, and we need to be praying individually as well. Prayer is our key lifeline to relationship with Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, he meets us in our prayer life. That's another part of what it means for us to be a spirit-led church. And one last thing we'll mention is the idea of giftings. So we read in 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 4 to 7, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. The Holy Spirit bestows upon us gifts to be the church. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The Spirit has given us gifts, not even just for our own edification, but why? In verse seven, we're reminded, so we can help each other for the benefit of this community. And we should acknowledge like any church should, that we can have a tendency as humans to wanna prioritize or create a hierarchy around which gifts are actually the most important and which ones are the ones that we feel the most comfortable using and edifying and uplifting in a community. We sense God calling us to be a church that identifies and activates the full diversity of gifting that he's given us within our church body. And pushing back on a tendency to prioritize or create a hierarchy of giftings within how we operate as a church, even within leadership. What would it look like for us to be a church where each one of us is given the opportunity to identify and activate the gifts that God has given us uniquely, but why? For the benefit of our broader community, realizing that we've all been made differently. We all serve the same Lord, but with different kinds of service, but towards that goal of transforming together in unity around Jesus. That's a beautiful picture of what it could look like to be a church family that operates with the full diversity of giftings in our midst. So we've processed a lot over these last few weeks about the kind of church we feel God inviting us to become and that we're inviting one another to lean into and to create together and to become together and to be part of together. A church that's centered on Jesus, moving towards him together in unity. A church that's living a lifestyle, not just a side gig of reconciliation and understanding what that means for us. A church that's learning what it means to serve with power under and use power the Jesus way. And a church that embraces and is led by the Holy Spirit. And as we said at the beginning today, we can talk, and that's a great idea about who the Holy Spirit is and learn as much as we can about who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to work in our midst. But we want to create some space to actually experience the Holy Spirit as well. So we're going to spend some time over these next few minutes doing just that. Yeah, and so we want to shift um, for a minute to change our posture into one of 
um, listening to words and actually taking time to sit in and create the space and, and acknowledging like we have that um, it's funny to spend time talking about an experience in some ways. It doesn't quite add up, but that we also need um, a structure, we need a form in order to create the space so that we can be aware of God's presence. And so maybe it feels funny to shift in some ways, um, but we want to be intentional about not just stopping with words, but actually practicing one way of making room to give our attention to God's spirit. And so just want to name again that this isn't the way. It's not the way that has to be the most comfortable for you. It's not the only way, of course. There's such a variety and plethora of ways that we can be aware of God's spirit with us. And sometimes um, a contemplative practice or a spiritual practice that gives kind of a formal structure to it is really helpful to help us give our awareness to the presence of God. There are other times where we encounter and engage with God's spirit very much in the midst of our everyday rhythms, washing the dishes um, and giving our attention or in the car while we're driving and all of these spaces because God is with us and in us everywhere that we are if we give our attention to who God is can become a sacred moment can become um, a space and a time where we're aware of God's presence with us so just wanting to name that but we also want to enter into this one way of creating space and so we're going to read through a few verses of scripture together a couple of times uh, to let it sink in. And then I'm just gonna ask some kind of open questions of reflection for you to, to sit in and reflect on as we open ourselves up and give our attention. We wanna posture ourselves for that too. So I would just invite you to kind of settle in to your seat where you're sitting. If you can put both of your feet on the ground, which I can't, but <laughs> if you could put both of your feet on the ground, um, it's good to just kind of settle yourself in your body where you are. Just kind of roll your shoulders and, and be comfortable in your posture, in your seat. If you're comfortable to close your eyes, you can do that so you're not distracted. Or just do a soft glance downward and just invite you to start to take some deep breaths. Our breath is such a beautiful reminder of the presence of God with us. And slowing our breath also just tells our body, tells our mind that we are safe that we can be at rest, that we are here, that we are alive. So just take deep, slow breaths. Let your body settle even more just into your seat. Be aware of where you are. And take a moment to become aware of the truth that God's spirit is here with you. That the presence of the wholeness of who God is, is in your midst right now. And if there's a way you want to adjust your posture to acknowledge, you can open your hands you can put a hand to your chest to 
Recognize in your own body and the space that you're in that you are in the presence of God. And if you're not sure how to do that, you can ask God for help. You can speak honestly to the Spirit about your questions, about your hesitations, about your discomfort, and ask God to show himself to you, knowing fully that he is for you, that he knows you, that you can trust the way that his presence will meet you as you say yes to him. As you sit in awareness of God, I just want to welcome you to open yourself up even a little bit more. If there's some part of you that resists or hesitates, can you just open your spirit a little bit more to be aware of how God is with you? To be expectant of how God wants to meet you and be attentive to him. As we sit in the presence of God, we're going to read these verses together from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 16. I'm going to read them through slowly twice. I invite you to notice what stands out to you. I invite you to expect and assume that the Holy Spirit has something to say to you in this moment. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. As you sit in the presence of the Spirit, is there a place in your life where you long to experience the freedom of the Lord? You can ask.
you can expect. You can ask the Holy Spirit. Is there a way that God longs for you to see his glory in a new way? Is there an invitation for you to reflect God's glory? And what is the Spirit speaking to you about how He wants to grow you more and more into his image. Spirit of the living God, may we be evermore attentive to your presence with us. And Jesus, even as we take another breath and close a time of quietness together, close a time of attention and focus in this way, God, that we know your presence remains with us in every way. Lord, that you are with us wherever we are, that you are for us, that you are in our midst. Open our eyes to continue to see more and more, I pray. Amen.